podcast. My name is Chris. I'm Shelly. I'm Zaria. <laughs> and I'm Antoine. And today we have with us a special guest joining us for this conversation, Destiny Diggs. Tell us about yourself a little bit, Destiny, so the people can get to know you a little bit. Just Hello, like who you are and what Destiny you do. Diggs. Um, my name is Destiny Diggs. I am the CEO and founder of Young Black Successful. Um, I'm also the radio host of All Night Gospel with Destiny. You can catch me on Saturdays and Sundays, midnight to 6 a.m. on WTMR 800 a.m. and iHeartRadio. Um, I also have my own ministry called Destiny Diggs Ministries. And I am um, just dedicated to pushing people to their purpose pushing people to finding their God-given assignments. Um, I'm also the executive director of a nonprofit in Chester, and I work with families and children and mothers. And so I'm just, I just love what I do, and I'm just here to serve God, and whatever he puts on my lap, that's what I'm going to do. Awesome. My goodness. Awesome. Awesome. I thought I did a lot. Lord Jesus. Right. I go to work and come home. Okay, that's it. <laughs> that's the end of the list. Yeah. Like when people tell me they got to do this, I do that. Well, I mean, no, I, a, that, I got a podcast. That's just me. That's just since the pandemic. You know, before the pandemic was like, oh, I'm at church. I do this for the church. I do that for the church. Mm. You know, I'll be going here, there, and everywhere. But then pandemic's like, I mean, I go every other Wednesday to help record, but I don't really do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new service. Uh, Amen. Yeah, I ain't got nothing else to do, so. Yeah, but, um, home for years. So to get this kicked off, today's conversation is going to be about our experiences growing up in church. Now, my goodness, everybody doesn't have great experiences. I personally have great experiences. I have some, had some instances where i didn't like it but you know overall um i've enjoyed myself i definitely know there's some areas where i feel it could improve but that's more political than actual spiritual things so uh we're just gonna get started by each of us kind of giving us the short version of our church story like how we met get interact first interacted with the church and how we are with it now. So for me, I'll start since I'm doing all the talking right now. Um, <laughs> I started going to church at about seven. It's after my mom got remarried to my stepdad and she wanted to start going back to church. And that meant I was going back to church. I mean, well, going to church for the first time because if I did go before that, I didn't remember. Um, so we used to go to this church in Camden. Mount Calvary Baptist Church, um, <laughs> where the pastor was Reverend James E. Jones. James A. Jones? E. Jones? One James yeah. Jones. So mm-hmm. I remember, God, for the first five years, until I was 12, we were there, and we was at church all the time. I've never known any part of Camden up until that point other than Mount Calvary Baptist Church. Uh, couldn't tell you anywhere else, like, if I was ever in Camden before that, don't know. But I knew I went to Mount Calvary. It was right on, right <laughs> on the edge of Camden. But um, uh, I was in choir. I was a junior usher. Oh, my mom had me doing anything and everything she could have me doing. We went to mm. revivals, uh, night services, night prayers, what, whatever they were doing. 
we were there until I was Did twelve. You go to sunrise service. I, I probably. I I really I couldn't say yes or no to it because I spent those five years at Mount Calvary. It was if I wasn't home or doing a sport, I was at church. Um. Then we, uh, a friend of my mom, they got ordained as pastors. So we ended up joining their church. It was a smaller ministry. I can't say what denomination because it was only 10 of us. I don't know what that, I I really, I don't know. It was just, we was, I don't know what denomination was. But we, I spent about five years with them and all the same stuff we was doing Mount Calvary, we did with them in a, in a hair shop. Um, it was fun got got to grow up with some some you know we was church kids in a small church then you know grew up in a big church well not big church but Mount Calvary was pretty big for the size uh to you know growing up in a, a smaller church and that's how I actually got my proficiency with uh the technology that I deal with now because I started doing all that stuff for them when I was 12 so all that setting up, breaking down, yeah, that's I've been doing that since then. Um, until we started coming to Bethany when I was like 17. That's when we joined with like the whole church, like all of us joined Bethany. And then I've been Beth- at Bethany since. Uh, mega church, bigger scale, doing more things. Uh, craziest thing about uh, my experiences is that after only six months of being at Bethany, I was just I I helped with the youth ministry in the sound, and then six months later, they told me I was the only one to do the sound because the person that was running the youth ministry sound moved to Atlanta. Mm. Suddenly. Yeah, just like hey, uh, so it's just you now. So and so's not coming. You all we got. I was like, sounds about right. <laughs> okay. That sounds about right. I <laughs> uh, don't know how exactly to bro. I'm glad I came last oh, night to help set up, you know, in preparation for Sunday morning. But now it's just me. So, yeah, it was, I was 17. Just, hey, Ooh. hey, all this is you. And I've been, been there ever since. Like 15 years now. Oh, go ahead no, and age yourself. It's more than. Because I will not be. No, it's actually more than 15 <laughs> years. It's like, it's like 17. It's almost 18 years. Mm. Almost 18 years. Mm. Yes, mm. I am you older I than know. you guys. Stop coming I'm at old. my man's age. Bro. It's not, been 18 years since he was 17. Age, I'm 35 years old. I've been at Bethany for 18 years, almost. Ancient. <laughs> oh, I'm not 35 yet. I'll be 35 this year. I'm sorry. And How you don't know how old it see? Oh. <laughs> um, so I feel like I've known church my whole life. My mom grew up in church. So when we was young, we was in church. Um, actually, the first few years of my life I probably wasn't, because my mom got saved again in ninety seven. Yeah, ninety seven. Right. You well, were you? Mama. I know you didn't want to age yourself, but where were you born? Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> you you make it seem like you're no, like literally, you're the same age as my brother. All my ailments today. Anyway, you're not even thirty. <laughs> I'm pushing thirty though. Sorry, I'm right there. I'm looking at it. Anyway, so 
church was just always something I knew, something that was, you know, every Sunday. My mom was always on a choir, so every Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever. It was always a, another day or two out the week that I was at church as well. Um, so we, when we moved to Connecticut and she got married, we started going to a Kojic church, which obviously is very different. Women can't wear pants and, you know what I mean, it's a whole thing. So I felt like it was a lot more strict religion-wise. Um, then when we came to Jersey and started going to Bethany again, um, it was different. It was more lax. I felt like I could wear what I want. Every Sunday, you know what I mean? It kind of was just like, I felt like a kid in church rather than like a church mm -hmm. that has kids in it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because that's what it felt like yeah. at the Kojic church. I just felt like we were just kids inside of a church. <laughs> but <laughs> we weren't really like a part of the church. So once I got to Bethany and we do like youth ministry and stuff like that, then I started praise dancing. Um, I just felt more involved. And that's I also right. was you there. You did dance. I was a new one. I was. I was a new one, two, three years. Um, but I was there all the time anyway. I was there almost every day because my mom was a chef. She was on two choirs. Mm, um, nice. Of course, my grandmother, deaconess. My grandfather, head of security. I was just at Bethany. I just was Bethany in school. That's it. School <laughs> Bethany. It didn't help that mm. school was right down the street from Bethany because a lot of times I was walking exactly. to Bethany. Because <laughs> it was right there. Mommy got choir rehearsal tonight. I'm going to just go sit at Bethany until she get here. Yeah, just walk down. Yeah, just walk down the street. Yeah. Go sit at Bethany for a couple of hours in the silence. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bible study will start, choir rehearsal start, dance practice start. So um, <laughs> just a part of the church for a very huge chunk of my life. Um, have been hurt by the church. Stopped going to church for a very long time. Um, mm -hmm. Tried going back to church. I don't know. I feel more spiritual than religious nowadays. So I feel like if I have a relationship with God, it's cool. <laughs> if I don't <laughs> go to church every Sunday, I feel like he understands. You know what I mean? <laughs> he get it. Oh, it was I just a, been hurt it was by a, the It's church. cool for so, me. Yeah. He I just, you. I'm okay without actually being there. I'll be all right. Okay. <laughs> we got you. Um, I guess, well, I was about to say I have a similar story. I don't. Um, so almost though, but I didn't start my life as a Christian. Um, my family, my mom, I, I'm from Philly and in Philly, like 80% of the city is Muslim. So a lot of my family is Muslim. A lot of people in my life are Muslim. My dad used to be Muslim. My siblings are currently Muslim. So, um, it, that was kind of it wasn't a big part of my life though it's not like something that I know a whole lot about or anything that I personally studied because I was very young um but my dad when I turned I still went to church though because my mom's side of the family is Christian and they go to church I had an um an aunt who went to a church in Jersey actually um before I ever even knew that I would ever end up in Jersey I was going to church in Jersey um it was this like very little church and I also do not know the denomination because it was so small but my aunt was very close to the pastor and his wife, so we all they we were all cool. Um, and it was a nice experience because it was small. I was very comfortable there. Like I talked to the kids. I went there a lot too. I spent hours there. Oh my god, oh my god! I spent hours in that church because my aunt is one of those people that will like talk for seven hours after church is over. So I was there all the time, the whole day, most of the time on Sundays, and sometimes I would go to like the Bible studies and stuff. 
But for the most part, it was just like a thing that I did for fun. I danced there because I was very comfortable there. But then I came to Bethany when I turned eight. My dad. Bethany kid. Yeah, my dad. Um, my dad, he moved to Jersey. He got remarried and he um, converted to Christianity. And I started coming to Bethany. It was a whole new world. I intended to dance, but never did because I have. I don't have stage fright, but I have stage fright in front of like that many people. Like yeah. a small group of people, I'm cool. I can talk, we can we can build a relationship, eye contact, all that. But like it's too many eyes at Bethany, like way too many eyes. So I couldn't I couldn't do it. I even I can't even stand on the stage. I can barely put my money on the thing, on the steps. Like I I have anxiety when it comes to being around that many people. And so Bethany was a very different experience for me because it was um it was such a big part of my life. Like I feel like my best friends came from church. And I don't think a lot of kids my age can say that or do say that. My best friends in the world, the people I talk to every day, were the people that I went to church with, not school, not in my neighborhood, the people I went to church with. So it became such a huge part of my life. And Bethany, they take their children seriously. Like they they want their kids to enjoy the experience like like Shelly said they want it to be more of you're a part of a ministry or you're a part of a church not like you're just a kid sitting in the pew or whatever next to your mother it's not like that it's not like that at all and you have your own space and you become your own person and a lot of times your parents don't even know what you're thinking what you're saying who you're becoming because it's all happening like back there with these other mentors and adults and that was a good experience for me um, but it was different it was very different. And I think, and same thing, was hurt, left. Um, but I do think about it because it's just so important to me. Like, it's so much, even when I hate Bethany and I don't want to go and I'm irked with the people that are there, I'm like, I have to because it's like a big part of my life. And I do feel like since COVID hit and I haven't been going to church for a year and I've kind of gotten used to not going to church. And even right before COVID, I had got a job where I was working Sundays, so I wasn't really coming to church anyway I did start to feel like I was more spiritual than religious I didn't really felt like I, I didn't really feel like I needed the routine of going to church as much anymore but I do still think that it's good because I do slip up I find myself not thinking about it a lot so I do want to go back but um but yeah I'm rambling but yeah that's what that's what Bethany has meant to me and continues to mean to me so I think my story might be similar to Chris and everybody else's, you know, start off in church. I got saved when I was eight years old. Um, I remember it to this day, the moment that it happened. It was the most freakiest but also calming moments of my life to hear someone say, come and not and it's not your relatives <laughs> or your parents. And I'm like, who said that? Come, my And then son. to hear it a second time. What, what, well, it wasn't like that, <laughs> but <laughs> it was more subtle, like, you know, and I was just like, okay, I guess I'm walking down this aisle. Um, I got saved in my uncle's church in Camden, uh, Community Baptist Church. It was on Mount Ethan Avenue, um, probably around the corner from where you were, Chris, most likely. Probably um, yeah, I got saved there. Um, I was instantly under the pastor automatically. Like, he gravitated towards me. I gravitated towards him. Uh, he was a friend of the family and, uh, you know, did choir, um, Sunday school, and didn't do no ushering. Um, I used to sit in the pulpit, 
<laughs> thought that was probably the coolest and most nerve-wracking things ever. Um, they used to pressure me to read scripture on Sunday mornings, which I did. Um, used to hang out with the old deacons. Uh, then my mom got wind of Bethany, probably I was like 11. And we went to Somerdale first. Yeah. Packed. Packed. Couldn't even get in. I was like, this is church. You had to park mm-hmm. three, like, four blocks away to get in a Bethany. Man, we had, to, you know, where the Cinemark is? We had to park <laughs> over there. And I was like, man. So, you know, I'm like, yo, this is church. Just be walking like, where, like is where, where is the church? Where is the church? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, is this a it's, club? It's a shop. Oh, right. It's like yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, you know, going there and then hearing Bishop preach for the first time, I was like, yo. You remember that? Different. Oh, yeah. I, I was remember. I, I was I probably asleep. Going. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> even, even at a young age, I always would, like, be really focused on it in, in church because I could – I could understand what they were talking about. Sometimes, you know, when you're a kid and the preacher's preaching, you're just like, I don't know what's happening right now. Yeah. But I could understand them, and I'm just like, okay, I get I get what you're talking about. Okay, I cool. Feel, feel now, mind right. you, did I listen to it all the time? No. No. But <laughs> I could understand them. You know, I would still mess up yeah. and do whatever I wanted to do. It didn't really start to sink in until I got older. But, you know, I remember that, and then going back to our old church, I was just like, this ain't it, Mom. <laughs> and she was just like, I know. <laughs> and then we remember uh, we had to transition out. Like, we couldn't just leave because she was in a leadership role and things like that. So, and it was, you know, my grandmother was the head of the deaconesses and all that stuff. So, we had to make sure it was good so it wasn't no problems. But I remember when Bethany first opened that second Sunday and we went to the brand new church. And I, I joined the church before she did. She didn't even know I joined the church. I was like, look, <laughs> this is where I'm supposed to be. I was like, they give me breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I mean, man. I got, look, I got teachers that look like me. Oh, okay. Siri. Why you let all that happen? Tell Siri, shut her trap. trap. <laughs> but, um, you know, I had teachers that looked like me. I could grow up with children. Like, it was only me and my cousins were the children of the church that we were at before. There were no other kids. Mm-hmm. So it was like four. So, you know, growing up with them, I already know y'all. <laughs> new people. So having to see people my age, different colors, yeah. you know, all there, that's, you know, that's why it's crazy. And then I was there for about, till I was about 16, 17. I started to wear, you know, wave off. I did sing in the youth ministry. Um, I think that's all I really did. And then I, you know, everybody goes astray, went astray, came back, and <laughs> you now the rest of the history. You astray, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Um, I, I wish I could see your face. Down but, um, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, way, way. So I went away. But um, came back at 20 and never looked back you know now i'm you know leadership and serving in multiple areas doing a whole bunch of stuff and it's been great you know i enjoy it i think this is where i'm supposed to be and what i'm supposed to do and um i'm just looking forward to the future yeah i feel you on that that whole being with people that look like you because i remember up until bethany well up until honestly all my life church has been 
all, you know, the only black people I really saw church and family because I went to predominantly white schools until I was in high school. Like there were black kids, but I would usually be one of the few black kids in the class. So Mm -hmm. church was always a cultural escape. It was just like, Mm -hmm. oh, black people. Black people. (laughs) And then when I got to high school, because I so I went to mostly, you know, predominantly white high schools. But when I got to high school, for um, what you call it? Um, God, Volki. I went to Volki for high school, and nothing but black and Puerto Ricans there, (laughs) and white people were the 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 minority. The minority loved it. Hey, yeah. So. So I, I can appreciate that aspect. Uh, mm-hmm. Destiny, you all right? I'm okay, guys. My laptop almost died. <laughs> oh, God. We got you. One moment. We got you. Okay, I'm back. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I grew up at my grandfather's church, Emmanuel United Pentecostal Church in Camden, New Jersey. He was the bishop. He's the founder. Um, he actually was the bishop there for over 40, 70 years. Okay, so just being All a right. part of the first family, it was just, it was a lot of work. <laughs> um, but that's where I learned the importance of serving. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, sang on the choir. Um, my mother was a head of the dance ministry. I eventually took over that, dancing, singing, and eventually um, ushering. <laughs> I know, right? Right? <laughs> and then so ushering, singing. And then when I got older, I started directing the children's choir and leading the youth ministry and leading prayer and doing scripture. And it was like every Sunday they had me praying. Um, and then some events they would have me preach. And so it was just so cool the way God has evolved me. And of course, I did go to Bethany. What's up, BCG? Um, And so I I served there in dance ministry and with the youth ministry. And um, from then, I've just, after that, I was actually in full time ministry at First Nazarene Baptist Church in Camden as their director of youth and students and director of communications. I was there full time. Um, and and did ministry and I learned so much. So God, I was a God ad- actually exposed me to multiple churches, multiple ministries, um, near and far, and it's really um, it made me who I am today. And I'm so grateful for Won't it. Won't he do it? Okay. Huh. So essentially, all of us have been in church. Yeah, all our lives. All our much. lives. Forever, for a good chunk. Ever. <laughs> Some of us did. <laughs> I took a break while still going. I hear you, <laughs> but like I was still there. I was there. I was th- I was just there for Sundays and okay. I got responsibilities. Right. That's why yeah. I'm here. Ain't nobody gonna turn them lights on. As <laughs> soon as I leave here, <laughs> ain't nobody gonna y'all better not call me. <laughs> yeah, Chris did used to be out, man. There was a time where it was just like I'm not here for it. Nah. I, I, I feel you. That. I do understand that. And I'm I think sometimes. it's healthy sometimes to take a break from yeah, serving. Yeah. I took about six months. It's not that long, some folks, mm-hmm. but I needed it. And I took six months from serving, and I was just visiting this church. Mm-hmm. I actually went to uh, the family church in Voorhees, and I just 
took that time just to get poured into and poured into because sometimes we need that. And I think I needed that for my next season because little did I know I was going to be in full-time ministry after that. And I think it's healthy to take a break and healthy to get poured into because if you just continuously serve and serve and pour into other people and, oh, I got to do the media ministry today. Oh, I have to be here for Bishop so-and-so and and Pastor Mm so-and-so. What are, what are you doing for yourself? Yeah. Do you oh, think yeah. that you have to check into your spiritual health? Sure. And so I think sometimes out. it's yeah. okay. You're going to get, and I've reached a place of burnout right. after the full-time ministry thing. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's good to be in tune mm-hmm. with the Holy spirit and in tune with yourself. Hey, check yeah. in. How am I feeling? And um, if you're meant, if your leader can't accept that or understand that, then that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. that's another conversation that has to be done with God. Okay, God, am I supposed to be here? Yeah. Because at this time, my leader's not understanding. I had, I had that conversation. So it's, it's okay. It, like, it's okay to take a break from ministry. Yeah. Because I it's think okay a lot, to be human. A lot of leaders think that burnout shouldn't exist. Right. Because we're drawing from, you know, a different source. But and I'm are, like, but it's still mental. It's scripture. You are it's still a man. Yeah, Jesus a took a break. He dipped. <laughs> Prophet Elijah reached burnout. Yeah, he was After like, I'm, I'm coming done. in contact with Jezebel. He was like, I'm done. And he took time, and he literally took time to retreat. In the cave. And he was, like, so tired in a cave, and he literally just ate, and the angels ministered to him. So burnout is scriptural. Yeah. It's in the Bible. Thank you. And bur- burnout is natural. And um, I think it's, it's we, we, all need to, we all need to take that time to ourselves. And just to be fed. I'm going to have an organ right. in the background when we fed. get to this part. Right, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is definitely in the scripture. I know, I know. Oh, we I got know. scripture to back it up. Yeah, you got word. Listen, mm-hmm. it, they be pulling Erica Badu's like, listen, I'm tired of this ish right here because <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I've had that conversation too. Right. Like, yo, uh, God, I'm tired. I'm the only one doing this right now. I need a break. Need to get somebody to help me. And that's why it is up to, I'm all about giving solutions. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so I think that's why it is up to our church leaders, especially, mm-hmm. Absolutely. to start um, creating healthy um, environments mm-hmm. for not even just the, the church leaders, but just for the, the members of the church. Absolutely. It should be a healthy environment. Mm-hmm. Mental health. Should be a rotation for volunteers. Like it one person should not be responsible. You should be checking for in. Absolutely, you should be checking in with with your leaders, uh, with the people that serve. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. What's How's going on? Going? Checking yeah. in. Just don't rob them of their gifts. Now you can't just rob someone of their gifts yeah. oh and not my. give it back and not yeah. pour back into them yeah. because you are not a pastor or or. You may be you may be a preacher, but you're not a pastor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A pastor There's actually a pours back into that person. There is a difference. So if you are not pouring into your leaders, into your members, you are just a preacher. There is a difference from being a pastor and a preacher. A pastor pastors over the sheep, mm-hmm. watches after the sheep. But if you don't care about me- my mental health, mm-hmm. if you are tired okay. out, if you just want to rob me of my <laughs> gift, rape me of my gift, then you are a preacher. You better. You Girl, talk, well, she talking, talking to listen, somebody, and listen, I hope they listen. You know what I'm gonna okay. do? I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> get the audio for this. You're not a pastor. I'm gonna just pass it over to your dad, and I'm gonna have him play organ <laughs> over with. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Shout out in. to my dad, Gary uh, Day. Oh, to <laughs> the man, the I'm, doctor. I'm but, but it's a big thing. It's it's so important. It's it so is. important Absolutely. because my 
I, I have I have friends, people that I love, people that I care about have gotten burned out from ministry. Mm-hmm. And it is the the blood is on the, the leader's hands. Yeah. The blood is on the leader's hands. And I'm not here to beat them up because I'm a church leader. My grandfather is a bishop, mm-hmm. was a bishop. Rest his, God rest his soul. Uh, my my pat my cousin is a pastor, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'm in leadership, so I understand. Sometimes we can expect so much of our people, but we don't care about their hearts and about their souls. What do you mm. pastor? And about their bodies. How are you pastor? Physical. Sometimes yeah. I'm just tired. It's <laughs> it's tired. It's about their mental yeah. health. So it is up to them to really create a safe environment, and it's up to us to 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 let it be known. Mm-hmm. Like, hey. This is what's going on with right. me. Mm-hmm. You have to speak out because if you don't say something, they're not going to know what the know. issue is. Sometimes you can be so busy. Okay, I got to do this service. Okay, we're teaching this. Oh, I got to preach mm-hmm. this sermon. And sometimes you you, you don't mean it. Sure. They're human as well. So it is also up to the people that are serving. It is up to the members. It's up to their staff to really speak yeah. up and say, this is what we need. This is what's going on. And check in with them. Yeah, because I... Everyone is responsible. Yeah. Because when you look at, I agree. When I look at church leadership, sometimes I just go, "These people are doing too much. They haven't spread out the weight of all of this across enough people." Because say it's like, "All right, say so and so goes down, what's going to happen next?" Or yeah, they, like there's no succession plan. Succession. That that's where we fail a lot in the black church. Yeah. Because it's just like, all right, we don't. It, it's almost like you gotta wait for your leader to pass before you actually have somebody ready. Like, okay, this this person is getting up there. They've been preaching a long. They might still have it, but maybe you know, start sneaking in a few other people in there to get everybody used to seeing all of these faces mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. eventually they're going to need to see all these faces on a regular. And mm. they're going to need to be able to call these people, be like, "Oh, I need to, I need to talk to Bishop. Listen, you need to talk to so and so, or you you need to talk right. to this other pastor mm-hmm. of this church, somebody that has the responsibility and the knowledge to be able to talk to you and help you, but mm-hmm. always always putting that pressure on that limited amount of people always causes the house to crumble." We have to start nurturing the gifts within mm-hmm. people, and and I starting to identify the gifts and the, the gifts in different people. Just because this person looks like this or looks like that, and you just can't keep people in a box yeah. either. Yeah, there's gifts in in everyone. Just mm-hmm. because your name, the beginning of your name, doesn't have pastor, doesn't mean that you're you're not gifted to pastor, right? Just because you're not given the opportunity to preach on a Sunday doesn't mean that you don't have that mm-hmm. gift. And I think it's also our responsibility to nurture the gifts within the within the people and yeah. also to raise up the next generation. Yeah. There should be a junior usher board, a junior deacon board, mm-hmm. you know, different things like that to start nurturing. So when the time does come, you have those people in place. And that's what keeps a church filled. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a tip one-on-one <laughs> for building a ministry. Go ahead. Amen. I don't know who this is for. Amen. Mm-hmm. In order to keep a healthy and packed church, if you that's what you want, right? Because a, a lot of us, and this is a whole other subject, I'm not going to get into this, <laughs> but we're so into keeping the church packed and filled. Mm. 
But one way to do it is to reach down to the next generation mm. and for the generation after mm. that. You should be pouring into the generation. Each church should be a generational church. God is a generational God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. He, he is, is a generational God. God. Yeah. Right? And he is concerned about all generations. Mm. And so exactly. you should be constantly nurturing the generations and pouring into them. Yep. And stirring yeah. up the gifts within them. If yeah. you're not, what are you doing? Again, yeah. you are a preacher and not a pastor. If you look out yeah. into your crowd but and you don't see a younger generation starting to fill up in the pews. If you don't see the five generations, it's a problem. If you don't start seeing the newer generation start filling up, then it's a pro- you're going to have a problem very soon. Because yeah. Yeah. these older people are going to be the only ones you're looking at. And the younger ones are going to be like, yeah, especially if Dipping. somebody, like, we grew up in, what? So, for me, this this is kind of, like, as time goes on, because of phones and TV and all techno- technology causes short attention spans. And right now, because everything, like, we, we live in the we-can-get-it-now culture, if I'm going to a church where I can't get it now, I can pull out my phone and go to a different church. I ain't got to stay in this pew In right your here. church. Like, in like, your you church, know what? I can start watching somebody else. <laughs> I'm going to sit in this pew no, right disrespectful, here but and watch that. somebody else preach. <laughs> but now, I've seen people do that. But <laughs> I've seen so people do that. It, <laughs> I've seen it, people do it. It is. That's so good. But I, it, you got to understand that it's going to happen, especially if you're not going to feed them and they're hungry, they're going to go to where they're going to get fed. It's just as simple as that. Like, mm, I don't like the water here. Like, and I don't know about you, but I don't drink everybody's what? Like tap water? Nah, dog. Dasani? Nah, dog. Give me that Poland Spring. Give me that Deer Park. If I'm really being bougie. If I'm really being bougie, give me that Fiji. <laughs> give me yeah. the, give me that Voss. Like I need Essentia that. Is bougie. <laughs> give me that Aquapana. That's bougie. The bitch should be drinking that Aquapana. I seen that stuff. I'm like, <laughs> this stuff is like four dollars a bottle. What is this? What? It is because I started buying. It, it <laughs> definitely is. And what's the yeah, water with uh, the green bottle? He also like. I uh, forgot what it's called. Forgot. It's like a green bottle. Yeah, so I know what you're talking about. Per, per, per it's like pernil something. Yeah, something, something with like a pee. That. He also drinks that. Pernilla, good stuff. Something like that. Pellegrino, yeah. Pellegrino. 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 Yeah. Pellegrino. Pellegrino. That's sparkling water. Yeah, that's sparkling. Drink yeah. yeah, they drink that. Yeah, it's sparkling that. water in a green bottle. Yeah, it's very I bought crisp, it, but we're getting yeah, on top of it. Yeah, it's cool though. I, I wanna, <laughs> my God. But I wanna um piggyback off of what Des said real quick when she was talking about you know the generations. I was having a conversation with an apostle um this week, and he was saying that the millenn- the millennials is the church now, mm-hmm. and then that the church behind us was that Gen X. It's not Gen Z. Gen, Gen, Gen X. X. Okay, so so they're behind us. And he was saying that we are now inadvertently getting into the roles of, you know, being their big brothers and sisters. Oh, so no, that's Gen, that's Gen Z. That's Gen Z. That's Gen Z. That's me. Okay. Hey. 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 But even even the generation under you, I don't even know what that is. That's but, the, we, they um, don't exist yet. Um, There's no I don't know if they had a name. I don't know if they got a name yet. They should be like the, the ones that are born now. I think. No, now. No, it's the ones like that are born like years. now, but I don't think they have a name. They'll be 
I thought Gen Z. Well, ended there's in no letter after Z, so I don't generations know. are usually like mm-hmm. either way. Oh, anyway. <laughs> either way. Yeah. yeah. Either way of the gen, whatever the name is. But oh, yeah, he 15, was just that might be right. I don't know what they are then. Let me look it up. I am. I am. Of course, <laughs> I do that already. Go ahead, Torn. <laughs> Go ahead. Y'all look it up. But he was just saying, like, we have the responsibility as millennials um, to step up and do the things that our leaders weren't doing for us at a young age. The stuff that we wanted, we should be doing for them in, inadvertently, you know, like talking to them instead of talking at them, listening to them more instead of just wanting to ram Bible down their throat and force feed them. You know, getting them to open up so we can discover their uniqueness. Because I know for, in my context, I didn't learn who I was until I was 20-something. Like, I knew because of what dreams God gave me and things he would speak to me. But I didn't know where to start. So when I went to the bishop and told him everything, I was just like, I don't even know where to start. But here's the thing. Like, if you've been in the youth ministry for X amount of years, you should have gotten some inklings at that time like you should have got something to prepare you for what was next and i didn't i don't think i got that at the time and nothing against our leadership nothing against you know the people who were in place at that time i just don't think they knew you know they weren't fully aware of that they were more so concentrated on do this do this do this Mm -hmm. do this when now we have to worry about development and uh discipleship Mm -hmm. and spiritual formation these are all theological terms i'm throwing out there but all these different I'm things, <laughs> all these things that we have to really start doing, you know, to grow that healthy church because discipleship is the key, you know, yeah. walking steps and steps mm-hmm. with people, seeing how they are, they seeing what you do. And I just, I'm kind of fired up about that because I've been writing a paper. Where was that? So writing this paper has opened up my eyes on how to grow a healthy church. Okay. And I think a lot of the things that we're missing growing up church is that we didn't get people to help us grow. Like, we just grew up in the church stage thing. Because they was like, we're going to get our blessing. Y'all just come along. Hopefully, it'll trickle down. If, and if you learn. Because it, it's not to say that there wasn't anybody paying attention to yeah. us as children. But at the same time, when you're only getting that kind of attention at the church, you're not able to, like, your your parents also may not be able to give you that same attention at home or in your own, like, like they can't give you that own, that guidance at home, so you always got to get it at the church, and depending on how often you may have gone to church, like, some of us, you know, I lived at church for a time, but even then, I didn't have the interaction with leaders or people that were running things or of, of spiritual capacity to really teach me all the time. Like, I didn't really, I, can, I know when I was really getting it was when I got a close, like, I just have, through working in ministry, I got a personal relationship with the youth pastor. And we just, like, it was, it was a real, it's a real funny thing because we would, butt heads so much till like for maybe like a good two three years like it was just nothing but hey i need you to do this no i can't do this so it was it was like uh was a lot of passive aggressive stuff going back and forth at the time until it, it just reached a point where it was just like okay 
we work together well. We can just have conversations. It got to the point where I was going over his house for Thanksgiving. So it, it just, like, I was able to develop a relationship with a spiritual leader that could help me, even though he was doing, like, he had to help himself in certain areas, and he was able to do that because we need to be able to do that, do that too, help mm-hmm. ourselves because sometimes we're doing so much for other people that we forget about ourselves. So I I just know that as a kid, not having, like, having, getting that person later is just like, man, I wish I would have got that person earlier and we would have had that relationship earlier. But I think because those spiritual leaders in the church, especially a church as large as Bethany was, it's almost impossible for them to have that kind of relationship with everybody. So yeah. you get they get and they get spread so thin trying to at least be relatable to everybody. And you know, you don't get to connect. And there's it's almost like there's no there's not enough people there for the kids to connect to. Like the pa- being able to connect to the pastor at an adult level, that's one thing. But being able to connect to a spiritual leader as a kid, I think that's something wholly important, but also extremely difficult to do because kids need so much more attention than adults do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I often wonder if my life would be different or if I'd feel differently about going to church if I went to a smaller church where I was able to have like an actual personal relationship with a pastor because right. um, I, I had decent relationships with um, people I had better relationships with mentors and people like Chris mm-hmm. and people in like the the Bible study classes and things than I did with Bishop you know so right See, and I think what I was going to say small groups are so important mm-hmm. in ministry mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. because they especially with the church uh, that size of Bethany mm-hmm. even the small churches the small groups are so important because where the pastor can't reach, that's where his other members, right. uh, other leaders yeah. are supposed to reach. Yeah. So these small groups, whether it's women's group, whether it's millennials and youth, yeah, that's why small groups are super important. And it's also biblical because the church started at home. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. that's where they were small groups. House to house. And so um, I think if your church, exactly, if your church doesn't have a small group, then that's a problem. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think I did, I did benefit a lot from that. I feel like a lot of my longer term friendships came from the smaller groups that I was in mm-hmm. being in youth ministry and like I had never sang on a choir but <laughs> my family sang on every choir so <laughs> so just being around those people I feel like I gravitated a lot towards like you know musicians and mm-hmm. outside of youth ministry a lot of musicians I gravitated towards and feel like they're like my uncles um, so yeah um yeah. I was gonna say something <laughs> but Next question. Oh no, I was gonna uh, what I was gonna say is I you know, how this kind of works like with the show is just like most of the people mm-hmm. that we know that come on the show we know from no church. <laughs> like we yeah. it's just like, oh yo, I know so and so from church. Maybe mm-hmm. see if I can come through and that, and it's yeah. just like even even all of us, like I've known all of y'all since y'all were like young kids. You you had to be like preteen, 
Zari, I know you was like 10, 11. I was like, Antoine, you was like eight. I was gonna say Zari's probably younger than me. I was like eight or nine. Because when I met Zari, she was young. First of all, complete sidebar. Can we can we talk about how I met Zari and how I was about to knock her out? Oh no! I'm with my nephew at McDonald's, right? And we wait for the food. And this little chocolate girl comes stand next to me. Mm. Is that Ethan? I looked at her like, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> who is this little girl? She was like, oh, no, I go to bed. I'm no princess. I'm like, oh, girl. Because she was looking gay. <laughs> okay? Look, How you know this, my nephew? Shelly liked the cuss, okay? And Zari's about to hear a couple. Because who was this girl just walking up asking no. about my nephew? <laughs> no, when Ethan was a baby, he was he was much nicer to me. So I used to, to hold him and everything. Listen, yeah. Ethan just looked like, at me oh, now, like, Ethan? nah, dog. You look at me now. No, not <laughs> Ethan. Not if I saw Ethan seven days out the week, probably like he'd only like me like two days mm-hmm. out, out of a seven day week. He's only nice to me like two days. Not, what, Every other day, he's like not friendly. What killed me about yeah. him, <laughs> what killed me was that I used to watch him on Wednesdays mm-hmm. when Princess would do something else. I would watch him. He would be chilling with me. And then I think there was just maybe like a couple weeks where I didn't see him. He came back. He you was like, who is you? He don't know you. He's like, he was just looking at <laughs> He looked at Princess and then just hugged mm, that thigh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So but yes, that's how I He's such so <laughs> <laughs> like, nope. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. back, uh, just to answer an earlier question, the next generation is called Generation Alpha, which is yeah. oh, 2011 yeah. to 2025. Oh, it's 2010 that Gen Z ended. Mm-hmm. Generation 2011. Alpha. Generation that's, that's, alpha. that's what I'm reading. Generation yeah, like, Alpha. Y'all ain't know Alpha. Who said that? Who said that? So you who never know they might be Generation Alpha. It, it ain't what know. it is. You know. Let's keep it they going. Only 10. Listen. So this the generation I got the poets. We've probably well, I guess I got a supporter. <laughs> we probably alluded to this <laughs> a little bit in our introductory question, you know, telling our little story. But wanted to hi- try. Let's see, let's highlight a couple moments. Um, what would you say was your most positive experience in church? Like what mm. what thing do you reflect on? as being the best part of growing up in church. Now, for me, like I said, it was the the relationships that I had with, you know, people in my culture, you know, people like church, growing up in church culture, like just having that, like, especially now with social media and you can meme something and you just go, like, ah, I know what that meme means. Because, you know, when uh, somebody somebody put up the, the meme, it was like, like only church folk know what this, this these, Ac- this acronym Acronyms, means. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and I, I looked at it, I was like, mm, I don't know what you come to do. Right, that's I don't I know what you <laughs> I was like, I know what that joke is. <laughs> uh, but, you so know, churchy. just mm-hmm. just those things that of the culture, I just love it. And I love that I got to grow up around people that were always, like, at least trying to do good. Right. Good things for other people and other neighborhoods. And just, like, pouring life into the world around them. I just really love that. And that's why what I I just try to do in anything I do. Like, I don't want to do anything detrimental to anybody else because of that. It's just like, ah, I just want to, like, whatever I do, I want to uplift somebody, Mm -hmm. no matter what it is. (coughs) 
I want it to be able to be good. Like, I don't. I just want people to look back over my life and say, that was a good dude. That was a good dude. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think my one of my biggest ones was probably the growing up in the culture. And then um, just the closeness I did have with uh, our youth pastor. Oh, God. Yeah, I think that was that was like really good. That's the other side of the you know, he's man. Yeah, he <laughs> he's probably the only one besides Bishop and Pastor Nick that w- I allowed to talk to me in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Because, <laughs> you know, growing up and this is a sidebar, growing up without a dad, I didn't respect men. So it was just like you come at me in a fatherly tone, I don't know you. Don't, don't know do you that know. to me. I guess it's know. different for I'm, a guy. My, in that situation because i feel like i felt the same yeah. way but i think it made me gravitate towards the stronger men in the church mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to being kind of yeah. opposed to me i was like eh, whatever dude like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but <laughs> as i grew you know as i grew up i started to understand why he was hard on me the way that he was why he would call me at 10 o'clock at night and i'm 17 like yo what you doing i'm like what you mean? What am I doing? It's ten o'clock on a Thursday. Bro. <laughs> Going to bed. Going to bed. I got school in the morning. No, but he was, you know, checking, you know, doing those spontaneous, you know, phone call checks. So it's those type of things that would happen that now I understood why he was doing it, and I thank him for it because it helped me become better. Yes. You know, and and then also helped me to help other people who are going through that same thing because i'm mentoring a couple young guys now and i will call them like yo what you doing <laughs> and they say the same thing so it's you know it's good i love that those probably are the best experiences there's several more but that's probably it okay cool cool life um <laughs> <laughs> did she I mute her mic oh okay she did Oh, no, Jessica, go ahead, because I'm trying to think. <laughs> I really got to think about it, how to word it, because I know what I want to say, but I just don't know how to word it. Go ahead. Um, and, and just really quick, what Antoine just said, that is the perfect example of what a pastor does and who a pastor is. So um, I think we're impacted more when people pastor us. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's why we're there, to be pastors, because to, to, we need a shepherd, to be led. And so that's why you were so impactful. I would say some of my best moments lead me to something. (laughs) (laughs) What are you leading me to? Don't lead me astray. That's all. Don't lead me astray and ask for an offering, I think. Mercy. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I think some of my favorite, (laughs) I think some of my favorite moments in the church are um, when it, I guess it was, it was around community, I guess, when I was with, like, the girls from the dance ministry, and we would be there on a Saturday all day, all day. We would go into worship, we would study, we would practice, and we'd have lighting. For those of you that don't know what lighting is. Oh, yes. When you go to a church like Bethany, they have to get the lighting, the lights right. And so that got you prepared for Sunday or Wednesday, whenever the presentation was. But it's those days when I just sat with my spiritual mother. I didn't know at the time. Jessica, Jessica Horn Green, she's my spiritual mother. Praise God for her. Um, but little did I know, like she took, she was my age. She was 26 at the time. I'm 25, but she was like 26 at the time. And she was spending all her Saturdays with us. Mm-hmm. She could have been with her boyfriend at the time, who was now her husband. She could have, she could, she didn't have to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. 
And so the fact that she took those moments to actually impart into us, our lives are better because of her. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Our lives are better because of her. And little did I know that she that God sent her to literally carry me through season, through season, through season, through season. Because, you know, when you get older, you go through a lot of transitions. Ooh. And I remember my first heartbreak. Who was there? Jessica. My mom got sick. Who was there? Jessica. And so um, I just thank God for, for her. But it, it's really those moments uh, that when I was surrounded by a community of people and uh, when we spent all day at the church, you know, that's all we had. That's all we knew. And um, I just I just thank God for Jessica and spiritual leaders like that. And I thank God for spiritual leaders who pastor. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jessica is. She's the pastor. She had the gift of a pastor. Even though at the time her title and wasn't Pastor Jessica. She was still operating in that gift. And that's why I say the small groups are so important. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's when people are ministered to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You almost made me say something. I'm going to hold it in. Though. I'm you glad Destiny went. I'm You're glad not I went. Hold it in. Because I was going to say, like, I was going to say, like, we, we throw the title pastor around. Mm-hmm. But the, in reality, it's a spiritual gift. Mm-hmm. That it is a anybody gift. can have. You don't have to be a, or like, it's not a position. It's, it is a position, but it's a gift. If we read the scripture, it said, it said we gave, he gave some, the gift of pastoring. Pastor, teaching, evangelism. Yeah, all these different things. Like, Mm -hmm. we got to get out of that religious, traditional standpoint of, oh, I'm a pastor because I got I got my ha- hands laid on me. No, you're a pastor because God gave you that gift. Listen, I and you got that gift before. I'd be like, yo, bro, you hurt my hand. <laughs> Chris. Right. But it, it's you also, you don't lay hands on me no more. <laughs> yeah, some folks just shouldn't be laying hands. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it's, it is a gift. And uh, a pastor has a concern for people. They actually yeah. like people. Yeah. They care for the hearts of people. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes you a pastor. Some of us are operating uh, under the title of a pastor, but don't really carry the mantle of a pastor. Mm-hmm. Right? You have the title, but you have the mantle. You don't have the mantle of the pastor. You you just call yourself a pastor because that's your title. But mm-hmm. some of us should be operating in, like, maybe evangelism or certain things like that. Yeah. So just make sure that you have discernment. Of who yeah. you call pastor and who you oh sit under. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh my. Oh, yeah. Discernment. That's important in other things in life too, but that's <laughs> that's yeah. just a different conversation. <laughs> you gotta yeah. have the Lord lead you in a lot of things. I will say that was I appreciate myself for letting this nigga first. <laughs> because she can she said the word that I was looking for, community. Because uh, I didn't want to yeah. say, like, my favorite part was the social, you know what I mean? Because it made it, mm-hmm. like, I wasn't there to be at church, you know what I mean? Because that wasn't what it was. Right. It was the community. It was being around people who yep. are my age, you know what I mean? I kind of bonded with, I really bonded with Ebene, you know what I mean? She was my, one of my closest friends growing up. Um, so I think that having somebody there who's kind of just like, you struggle with the same things I struggle with. We mm-hmm. go to school with a bunch of people who don't go to church. You know what I mean? So, like, how do you navigate through that? So kind of talking to her and having that mutual with multiple people. You know what I mean? Having that mutual feeling, that mutual mindset with multiple people. Like, we're all trying to be church kids in the world. You know what I mean? So um, 
I think that that's definitely my favorite part of growing up church is definitely like having other people who can relate to what that feels like mm-hmm. having to go out in this world and be a church kid because it's a lot different than when mm. our parents were church kids yeah. growing up in the world. The mm-hmm. world is a lot different now. You know what I mean? So um, mm. that's definitely something that I appreciate the most about growing up and being in church. And can I just say really quick, I am so proud of us. And I was thinking about this the other day. Our generation, because I feel like when we were growing up, church wasn't a cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, it it wasn't known as a cool thing to do. No. It was known as, oh, she's bold mm-hmm. because she goes to church and she's young. But our generation has really, you still go to church, right. And, but our generation has kind of taken on that identity. Like, that is who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to be in church. And we're making this like a, a, a cool thing. That the mm. generation under us can look up to us and say, oh, it's, it's okay to be a church girl mm. or it's okay to be in the church. It's a cool thing because growing up, that was not the case. It was kind of like, oh, you go to church on Halloween? Like, what are you doing? celebrate each other. We go to hallelujah night. Okay, right. pajama parties and everything. Okay. And I think it's just super cool oh, because uh, we celebrate who we are. We so. celebrate who we are and we have platforms like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just so proud of us. And I just think God is doing a new thing. Even with Clubhouse and Facebook and Instagram and all the things that we're doing, we celebrate the church. Mm-hmm. And I think it's up to us to continue to do that. Absolutely. Because that's just going to continue to raise up generations, holy generations, and mm-hmm. generations of integrity and, and a generation that is set apart. So I'm very proud of you. Mm-hmm. Zari, I'm just Zari. Okay, Zari. Um, no, no, I didn't. Um, for me, it's it was um probably the activities. <laughs> um, I um when I was younger, when I first moved to Jersey, because like I said earlier, I'm from Philly, and I was very, very attached to home. So I was like six years old when my parents got divorced, and we moved to Jersey, and that was like so hard for me. Like it was. It was like almost like when if I wasn't like in school, if whenever I was home, I didn't feel like I was home. You know, I didn't feel like I was comfortable. I didn't feel like I was happy until I started going to Bethany. And it was like, like I was literally, I was going to therapy and all this other stuff. And I was like, I just can't figure out what is missing. You know, I just can't figure out what is missing in my life or why I'm not happy or why I'm not enjoying my day to day life. And then I started going to Bethany and I started to learn so many things. But a lot of it was through the activities. Because I wasn't open to church. It wasn't like, like now I realize that church is why I got better. But um, at the time, I didn't see it that way. So those activities made me want to come. Mm-hmm. The all-nighters, the the trips. Anytime we was on a bus, I was on the bus. You know, like I was going. Zara's on the bus. Anytime. Zara's on the bus. <laughs> I'm on the bus. So the $5, I got it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's there. But um, I, I really enjoyed those moments because, Bethany, um, it was important to them that we had things to do during the week, like on Saturdays. And I used to be like, why do I have to go to church on Saturday? I did BYLE too. So I was like, why do I have to go to church on Friday? Like, you know, yeah, BYLE was great. That was probably my favorite. My favorite one out of all the activities was being a part of BYLE. So all of these things just really centered me. They gave me reason. So, um, that's my favorite people. that's the most positive part of my experience like, yeah and the people yeah. oh i loved my byle mentors oh, i miss them so much 
I don't even know where Montour is. I remember. I have no idea where he is. Yeah, I don't know where I don't know where any of them are. They're just some. I hope they're good though.